This is episode 280 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are 10 Gardening Tips for Growing Market-Worthy Tomatoes and 16 Ways to Teach People to Be Prepared and Survive. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 280. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. Hey, if you are new, I'd like to welcome you and I'd like to let you know that you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast network out there. There's a ton of them that we are on and so I appreciate you listening today. Hey, I'd like to also thank those of you that clicked on the link to go check out my new YouTube video, um, DIY Prepper Food Buckets. And so, uh, you know, there was a, a lot of uh, views on it today and a lot of people subscribing to the YouTube channel. I haven't really done a lot with YouTube, but uh, starting to do some videos out there. And so uh, very grateful for those of you that went to go watch that video and go check that out. If you are not, if, if you haven't ever created uh, food buckets, if you haven't ever made any, uh, I give you the supplies that you need. It's very easy to do. The, I just walk you through it and uh, you know provide some other resources for you there as well. And so I'm going to link to it one more time in the show notes. So if you're interested in that, you can go check that out. But again, I do appreciate those of you that have gone over there, viewed it, liked it, and subscribed to the YouTube channel. So again, thanks so much for that. Hey guys, we have a, a couple of great articles for you today. The first one is uh, comes to us from readynutrition.com. And again, the article is 10 Gardening Tips for Growing Market-Worthy Tomatoes. I know that there's a lot of new people that are listening to the podcast that m- you might not necessarily consider yourself preppers. Uh, I know we have a lot of experienced pre- preppers uh, with us on the podcast as well. But if you are considering gardening, a lot of the times that is kind of like a a gateway drug to preparedness. Uh, Gardening and firearms usually, usually lead you to the path of preparedness, right? But if you have been coming to the podcast, you're listening, you're new, and you're like, you know what, there's something to this preparedness thing, you know, eventually you probably would see the benefit of gardening, And so one of the, you know, you might not be ready to go full bore into gardening. You might be, you know, uh, where we are, where I'm at in Houston, um, you know, I should have, if you're gardening, you should have already put stuff into the ground and, and things like that. But if you haven't, it's not, and depending on wherever you are, you know, in, in the, actually in the world, because we have people listening all over the world, you can still put something together. And even if you are living in a townhome or an apartment, You can go to a place like Home Depot or Lowe's and you can get something as simple as a tomato plant, you know, and there's just something about growing your own vegetables that you can pull off the vine and that you can eat them yourself, you know, wash them and eat them. And they taste so much better compared to the stuff that you buy, uh, you know, in the grocery store. You might not know this, but tomatoes that you get at the grocery store, they're pulled when they're green. And then they spray like nitrogen on them so that they will turn, they'll turn, uh, red, you know? And so you're, you're definitely, you're not getting stuff that's really ripe and, and where it's really supposed to be picked or for optimal flavor. 
but you can do this wherever you are. And so if you are new to preparedness and you're thinking about gardening and you're just not completely ready with just a five gallon bucket, you can do uh, easily, you can do a tomato plant. And so that's one reason why I'm starting off with this one. But then if you are uh, an experienced gardener, you might learn some things as well here. You know, there's some some things here that I haven't uh, read before in the past. So let's go ahead and get into this one. 10 gardening tips for growing market-worthy tomatoes. There's nothing like seeing clumps of ripening super-sized tomatoes on the vine. That's the sign of a happy growing garden. But tomatoes can be problematic and prone to certain issues. Blossom end rot, nutritional deficiencies, blight, and invasive hornworms are just a few of the problems a gardener may have when growing tomatoes. Many of these issues can be corrected early on by giving the tomato the right growing conditions. Some of the most popular types of tomato varieties planted are the beefsteak tomato, celebrity, early girl, and the cherry tomatoes. The tomato plant can grow up to six feet tall and requires trellising or support. Tomatoes typically take about 85 days to harvest. And to get those big, delicious red orbs to grow, it requires a lot of nutrients. Choose a fertilizer that has a balanced ratio of the three major elements, such as 10-10-10, or where the middle number, the phosphorus, is larger than the first number, nitrogen, such as 2-3-1. Tomatoes are heavy feeders and usually do need fertilizer unless your soil is very rich. Use some of these gardening tips to ensure your tomato harvest is the best one yet. Choose the right varieties. There are many types of tomato varieties to choose from. One that I always recommend is the heirloom varieties. These seeds have been around for generations and were bred for flavor, adaptability, and growing performance. As well, many of these seeds are open pollinated and the seeds can be saved for the next harvest. This ensures that you have plenty of tomatoes to eat fresh, preserve, or make delicious sauces with. And talking about the seed saving, tomatoes are one of the easiest um, they're not the easiest, but they're one of the easiest ones. And I don't know if you've ever seen any of those videos on, uh, you know, those craft videos on Facebook and uh, where they, I've never tried it. I don't know anybody who has tried it, but where they take a couple of slices of tomatoes and they put it into the dirt. And I guess after the tomato, um, you know, the tomato seeds or whatever, they kind of dry up in the, in the ground and then they start sprouting. I don't know if that really works or not. I'd be interested in trying that. But uh, if you have tried that, uh, you know, let me know definitely in episode 280 in the comments section. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Location, location, location. Tomatoes love bright locations where they receive 10 hours or more of sunlight. Full morning sun is always the best location, but tomatoes will do well with some afternoon sun too. As well, ensure that you have properly spaced your plants. Number three is plant tomatoes in multiple locations. When you alternate where you plant your tomatoes, it helps to diminish the risk of soil-borne diseases such as bacterial spot and early blight. One of my favorite gardening resources, Carrots Love Tomatoes, The Secrets of Companion Planting, taught me that when you plant companion plants near each other, it also helps to reduce soil-borne diseases as well as encourage beneficial bugs to hang around. Here is a list of companion plants for your tomatoes. Asparagus, basil, beans, borage, carrots, celery, dill, lettuce, melons, onions, parsley, 
peppers, radishes, spinach, and thyme. Number four is plant them deep. When you plant your tomato seedlings deep, it helps the plant develop a better root system. The extra roots will strengthen the plant so that it can support more fruit and survive hot weather. Gardeners recommend you planting your seedlings up to the first true leaves. If you have heavy soil and cannot dig your hole deeper, you can lay the plant on its side and cover with dirt. Ensure that the hole is at least 5 or 6 inches deep when buried. Number 5 is prune your tomatoes. I realize that many feel this step is optional, but it really helps. By pruning off any non-fruiting branches, it directs the tomato plant's energy into growing more tomatoes. Every three weeks, I will prune my tomato plants in the early morning. Doing this step in the morning will help reduce any plant stress. Number six is fertilize. Tomatoes are heavy feeders and require lots of nutrients to produce all of those lovely tomatoes. Adding a layer of balanced organic fertilizer like 888 during the transplanting process will help shield plants from stress and encourage root growth. When plants begin to put out fruit, fertilize every two or three weeks with fertilizer and then water it in. As well, consider giving your plants some compost tea. Compost tea takes the beneficial bacteria and fungus present in compost and exponentially increases them through aeration and sugars. These bacteria and fungus are critical to root establishment, and the more bacteria you have in your soil, the better. This all-around plant booster helps foliage, increase root development, feeds the soil. You can't go wrong. I usually make some compost tea once a month to help my plants. Number seven, give them some support. Certain tomato varieties can grow to six feet and will require a trellis, stocking, or tomato cage. The trellis system keeps ripe fruit off the ground, so it's less susceptible to disease and is easier to harvest. Any garden center will have tomato cages and trellises. The best time to add stakes is during the time you're transplanting. This cuts down on damaging root systems later on. Number eight is water them correctly. Tomatoes need consistent moisture to produce even growth in ripe, juicy fruits. Therefore, water tomatoes deep. To check to see if tomatoes need watering, insert your finger, your index finger, two inches in the soil. If the soil is dry, then you need to water. Water the tomatoes when the soil dries to a depth of one to two inches. Doing so will cut down on tomato blight. As well, do your best to keep leaves dry. In addition, adding one inch of mulching material around the growing tomatoes will help reduce water evaporation from the soil and reduce weeds in the garden. Number nine. Plant more. Succession planting in three-week intervals will keep, your, keep you loaded with tomatoes throughout the growing season. As soon as you plant your seedlings, start a new batch of seeds. I usually plant tomatoes two or three times during the summer months. And number 10, harvest as soon as they show their colors. Keep an eye on your growing tomatoes and harvest as soon as they color up fully. Birds and other wildlife love tomatoes as much as we do, so pick them as soon as their color comes. You can also pick your tomatoes a little early and allow it to ripen on your kitchen windowsill. When you give tomatoes the right environment to grow, they will reward you threefold. These tips will ensure that your tomato crop will be the best crop yet. All right, so and there's a link here to uh, open pollinated and organically grown tomato seeds and other links here that you can check out as well throughout the article. 
Hey, I, again, like I said, I do encourage you, if you are not gardening this year, I do encourage you to, you know, stop by, uh, you know, a home, home improvement store, you know, like Home Depot, Lowe's, or if you have like an Ace Hardware or, or something uh, along those lines and any, anywhere that pick, that sells uh, fruits, right? Fruit and vegetables. I, and I even believe Walmart, you might even be able to buy them there and, you know, find one that's, you know, in a five gallon size, um, pot or even, you know, even a three gallon, you know, you might be able to get away with that and, and just go from there and you don't have to, uh, transplant. If it's in a five gallon, uh, even in a three gallon, you might not have to transplant that. And so that you can, you know, you can just, uh, see what it's like. And, and I'm telling you, there's something about being able to pick, uh, you know, vegetables, fruit and vegetables off, uh, you know, from your own garden and being able to eat them. It just, uh, it just does something to you. You might realize and find that you are bitten by the gardening bug and uh, you'll go from there. So again, like always, I will link to this article in the show notes and you can go check that one out. All right. This next article comes to us from foodstoragemoms.com. And the title is 16 Ways to Teach People to Be Prepared and Survive. But really, when I was going through this, and she's going to, you know, Linda is going to talk about this from a teaching perspective. But I was, you know, when I was going through this, I was thinking, you know what? These are really areas to prep. And so I think this would be valuable for anyone who, uh, you know, is, is interested in preparedness. And so that's everybody who's listening to this podcast, I hope, that these are areas that you can uh, that you should be prepping. So I wanted to read these because I think they are valuable. So I'll, I'll read the article, but then I, I'm going to comment on a few of these as we go. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. I want to share 16 ways to teach people to be prepared and survive any disaster or unforeseen emergency. I'm hoping this post will help others to teach their neighborhoods to be prepared for the unexpected. If you have watched the news or listened to the radio, you have to know our world is very unsettled. I think that's an understatement, right? <laughs> uh, but I definitely agree. My request to all those who teach people emergency prep would be to please read Ted Koppel's book, Lights Out. Here's the deal. One Second After is a fictional book and it talks about losing power, but it was way below my preparedness level. I'm not being critical of the book, but I like to read things that have information to back up the truth. Ted Koppel nails it. I bought the book and have read it in Audible several times, maybe 10 times now. I learned something new every time. I mentioned I had the book to several friends and only one read it. Please, please, please read the book. It is not fictional. It is real. I highly recommend you buy one for all your family members. If you want to purchase the book, just click on the picture below. I was talking to a reader and somehow she hadn't heard I had been asked to write a book on emergency preparedness a couple of years ago. Here's the book below. I wish every family had both of these books in their homes. If you want to purchase the books, just click on the pictures below. If you're going to teach your family, friends, or church members, please feel free to use the pictures below and all printables throughout my blog. And so I know that there are going to be some links to other articles on here. So this article is packed with links. And some of these are um, go-to links that where you can print things off. And especially this first one, I'm going to uh, definitely recommend that you come check this one out. Because the first one is a binder. Please collect all of your important documents and place them in an emergency binder. Be sure and place the binder in a safe and secure place in your home. If we lose power, the banks will not be open. In fact, they may never open if we have a grid down. 
Our country is not prepared in any way to bring our power back to our homes if we are cyber attacked by Russia, for example. It could take 20 to 30 years to restore our country back to normal. Here is a link to my free binder download, Binder by Linda. And so again, uh, there is that link here. And I will tell you, um, Linda was very gracious years ago. I, I had a, a e-journal that I would put together from the preparedness community uh, called the Preparedness Review. And uh, you can still get it uh, on Prepper website. You can still link to it. Or you can just go to the, uh, to the URL, thepreparednessreview.com. And uh, if you go there, you'll see the links. And you can still download these big PDFs with articles that uh, you know, are, re- you know, are relevant, things that you would want to kind of print out. But anyway, the last one that, uh, that I ever did, Linda gave me uh, permission to print her binder inserts. And so, you know, I was able to do that. And so they're available there. But, um, you know, that was when I was first introduced to uh, what she had available. And so definitely I would encourage you to come download this and start your binder and and putting important information in there. In fact, I would um, I would also recommend not to do when you're while you're doing it. And if you are printing out copies or whatever you're doing to add to your binder, make more than one, uh, maybe maybe two or three. Because you can keep one for yourself. You can give one to a family member who lives somewhere else. So just in case your house burns down and you're not there, you still have access to it. And you can put one like in a safety deposit box or, you know, something something along those lines. So you have multiple copies out there, you know, maybe a parent's house or a brother, a family member's house, another family member's house, just so that you have all that information out there. So I definitely would recommend you come check this one out. All right, number two is 72-hour kits. I know you probably have heard this term for many, many years. Here's the deal. 72-hour kits are just a way to help you get through three days, period. I still recommend them, but we really need so much more than just three days worth of food, water, etc. But it's a good start. Here are the printables I designed for 72-hour kits. So there are links here to an adult kit, a child kit, a pet kit, and a vehicle kit. And uh, definitely, you know, 72-hour kits or bug-out bags or go bag, however you want to, you know, whatever you want to call them. I think they're very valuable because if you have to leave your house in an emergency and you can just grab one thing, that's the thing that you want to grab, right? You just want to grab it and it has important things in there for you to get by. Now, some people will, will, in a bug-out bag, they have all kinds of things ready for the zombie apocalypse. You might not look at it that way. You might just put a change of clothes in there. You might put some important documents. You might put some money. You might put some uh, a week's worth of medication in there. Those types of things. So if you were to grab and you you know you know that you might be going to a family member's house or you're going to go to a, a motel or hotel or whatever, you have what you need. And so uh, you know, go check out those kits and what she has there. Uh, those printables. Number three is flashlights. I hate the dark, so I think I'm over the top in flashlights. I own it, just so you know. I live in southern Utah, and I can't keep batteries fresh for very long. It's crazy, so I have mainly stored several solar flashlights and a few battery-operated ones. The picture above is my emergency bed bag. Here are some of my favorite flashlights. The Solar Gold Zero, or one with batteries, battery flashlights. 
And so uh, I remember when she did that post on her emergency bed bag. And uh, so that's kind of cool there to go check out that, that picture. But definitely, you know, we talked extensively about flashlights yesterday. Number four is water. The American Red Cross recommends one gallon of water per person per day. I recommend four gallons of water per person per day. I get thirsty just thinking I would only have one gallon of water per day. Yikes. We need water to hydrate ourselves, prepare meals, wash dishes, and for personal hygiene. The picture above includes water bricks, a lead-free hose to fill containers, Berkeley sports bottles, and my favorite ones, blue cans. Please remember to use water preserver preserver so you only have to rotate the water every five years compared to every six months using bleach. You can buy 55 gallon barrels at Walmart that are BPA free at least here in Utah. Please place all containers at least two inches off the concrete so the chemicals will not leach into your containers. Also remember to purchase a pump to go with the barrels. You know, I've, I've never heard the lift your container up two inches off the concrete. So I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, and, and also, I did look into this water preserver at one time. The reviews were mixed, but you can definitely go do your research on that uh, and, and check that one out and see, uh, you know, see if that's something you want to add there. All right, number five is food. I've said this before. I do not count calories when I store food for long-term storage. For that matter, I don't for short-term food storage either. I refer to long-term food storage as in number 10 cans of freeze-dried food such as fruits, vegetables, milk, meat, and cheese. Every company is different, so please check the food you buy for shelf life. I do not buy pre-made meals and I do not store food in Mylar bags. I prefer commercially preserved foods for safety reasons. I highly recommend Thrive Life and Honeyville Grain Please compare prices per ounce, including shipping. Not all number 10 cans weigh the same. Please remember you do not have to buy only number 10 cans, but you do need to buy some food for your pantry. Food storage can include food like mac and cheese, chili, beans, rice, pasta, canned meats, mayo, soup, etc. Please remember to buy the staples needed to make biscuits, crackers, cookies, cakes, bread, pancakes, waffles, etc. Here are a few staples I recommend pantry items by Linda. I like to teach people to buy food for storage based on what they eat at home for their meals every week and be sure to rotate as needed. Definitely store what you eat, eat what you store. That is a common uh, phrase that you'll hear in preparedness. Um, I definitely agree. My, um, my view is that you start off with canned food and canned food that you can buy at the grocery store that you uh, you know you just you just buy kind of like what she was talking about here like chili soup those types of things um, definitely dry goods like rice and and mac and cheese and pasta those have long shelf lives and you can add that as well and then for me my next step uh, is uh, the DIY food buckets which you know I talked about that at the beginning of this podcast is the video. And then I would definitely add some kind of uh, long-term food storage, you know, dehydrated type. I do prefer legacy food. I've talked about them before. I do have a link in the show notes. You can go check them, check them out. And uh, that link will take you to a comparison page. And so uh, you can look at them compared to some of the other ones. But I, I do recommend that product. All right, number six is cooking stoves and fuel. I realize a lot of food can be eaten right out of the can without being cooked, which reminds me, please store a few can openers in case one falls apart. 
aim into that. I got to just like second and third that one. You know, you want to definitely have uh, redundancy in can openers. Can openers can be found in any store. I have about six of these, the swing away can opener. We still need some stoves to boil water, cook a few meals, wash dishes in hot water. Those stoves around are the ones I have. From left to right are the sun oven. Only use sunshine to bake food. If you do not have a lot of sunshine where you live, I would not recommend buying one of these. I was given one by Paul from Sun Oven, and I ended up purchasing a second one because I love them so much. The thermal cooker is a slow cooker without electricity. You just have to bring your food to a boil in the inside stainless steel pan, then place the pan inside the outer thermal cooker. You can bake frozen food in this stove. It will cook the food for six to eight hours and be hot when you take the pan out of the thermal cooker. How to use a thermal cooker by Linda. We kind of talked about that on the Friday podcast. I believe that was episode 277, if I remember correctly. Um, that was one of the, the Friday um, your throwbacks you know, to the archives uh, on uh, making your own thermal cooker. So I uh, think that's interesting to read that again. The Volcano Stove can use propane, charcoal, and wood to cook any meal. Volcano stoves are sometimes sold at a hardware store, Costco, or Sam's Club. Butane stoves are awesome. I gave all four of my daughters a butane stove with canisters of butane. It's easy to store and easy to use. You can buy one here or at any hardware store, butane stove and butane fuel. Hey, this is one that you don't always hear too uh, too often. I think these are used a little bit more in other countries outside of the United States, but definitely you can purchase them. And uh, it is something that uh, is small and compact, but it's like a you know one burner, and you can you can use it in your kitchen, right? So I definitely do think that that's a very viable solution there for you. The Kelly kettle is an awesome cooking source because you can use twigs, dried leaves, or pine cones to boil water and cook mac and cheese to name one meal. You can make a small pot of soup on top of this gym. It's the Kelly Kettle. The Camp Chef Stove Oven Combination is great for me when baking bread, making pancakes on the top griddle, accessory, baking casseroles, etc. Be sure and see what adapter is included in the one you purchase. There is a propane adapter available for the small canisters as well as the barbecue sized tanks. Dutch ovens are awesome because all you need is wood or charcoal. I like the six quart size because it's easy for me to lift and cook with it. It's probably the least expensive stove you can buy. You can make casseroles in them, bread, biscuits, and many other yummy recipes. Number seven is blankets. Please teach people to save all blankets and or quilts. You can use them to keep warm and partition off the sick from the people who are well in a pandemic. Extra sheets would work as well, but not as handy for the really cold days and nights. Definitely need a lot of blankets. Number eight is first aid kits. You can start a first aid kit with the basics and expand it as your budget allows. I have several first aid kits to teach people what to purchase. This one is actually a Plano fishing tackle box. Here's my post on what I put in this first aid kit. So it's very interesting. You got to check out this uh, this picture here because it is a tackle box, but it's loaded with first aid equipment and uh, or first aid supplies. So uh, definitely go check that one out. Number nine is emergency toilets. This is a critical item since every family needs their own toilet. I will not share my emergency toilet with anyone. Just giving you the heads up here. Please make one as soon as possible. If we lose power, the sewer systems will not work. 
Hopefully the backup sewer systems are below your home or you may have sewage backup into your home. I called our county city to find out where my neighborhood backup system is. Thank goodness we are far away from it. It's down the hill. The picture above has a five gallon bucket on the left which makes it harder to squat to use the bathroom. The taller six gallon bucket in the middle works much better. You buy a toilet seat and fill the bucket with a bag of kitty litter, some 10 gallon bags, 500 bags at Costco for about $10, toilet paper and hand sanitizer. The number 10 can is a portable toilet for your car with four gallon bags, toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Well, that would be really hard, uh, ten, a number 10 can there. Uh, duct tape would hold your bag in place on a, all containers. Uh, and so there's a link here for the toilet lids if you've never looked into those before. I had a friend, Debbie, show me a nifty trick with four $3 five-gallon buckets stacked high enough and cheaper than a six-gallon bucket so we don't have to squat down so far. The six-gallon buckets have gone sky-high in price. And so that's a trick that uh, I never really uh, thought about before where you are putting you know, a couple of buckets, you know, inside of each other. And so when they start stacking, they, you know, they're a little bit higher for you. And so maybe uh, about the size of a, of a regular toilet there. So uh, interesting there, definitely. Uh, number 10 is emergency washing machines. I have said this before. If we have an emergency, I want to be able to have at least clean underwear. I think I can actually wash everything except for maybe jeans. Well, I could wash them, but if it's winter time, it would take days for them to dry. Here are some ideas on how to wash your clothes should we lose power, and we will. Emergency washing machines by Linda. And that's uh, the post there. Please remember a clothesline and some good clothespins. These are my favorite ones, Kevin's clothespins. I have a YouTube on my clothesline. I love it because it's collapsible and I can store it when I'm not using it. My handsome son-in-law, Nate, Help me put it in the ground. Number 11 is bread making. Please teach people to make bread if you know how to. Trust me, you will need this skill. If bread intimidates you, then learn to make biscuits or crackers. You can survive on bread and soup or rice and beans. You get what I'm saying? Here's my link on how to make bread. Anyone can make bread if your ingredients are fresh, I promise. And so there's a link for that one as well. And so, you know, making bread, definitely you want to, you know, try that. Uh, there's, you know, there's some easy recipes out there. The other thing too is if you don't, if you just don't have luck making bread, but you need something, you know, that, that is bread-like, you can easily make tortillas, right? That's easy to make. And so there's definitely recipes out there. I might even try to, to you know, do something here in the, in the future on that. Uh, number 12 is emergency kitchen. I designed this stand, and I, I got to tell you, this is also, this is very cool, um, the picture here. So it's it's basically a Stanley toolbox, right? One of those big ones, but uh, she's using it here as a, as a kitchen, so um, as like a portable kitchen. So let me read this one. I designed this Stanley Max emergency kitchen filled with just about everything I may need if I'm evacuated from my home. If I'm going to cook for the neighborhood at a school or a parking lot, I have everything I need in this transportable kitchen. So uh, the link there, Portable Kitchen by Linda. Again, very, very cool. I've, I've seen these at Home Depot before. And so it's just, you know, when you see people use something, uh, you know, that's made for something else and they just apply it for what they need. I, I just think that's so cool. But uh, you got to really check this one out. Number 13 is solar power. 
If by chance you have a loved one or neighbor that uses a CPAP or nebulizer, please be sure and have a backup option for power, should you need it. I have heard people use batteries, but I like using Goal Zero products. And so there's a link here to, uh, to an article there. It's really nice knowing I can use Goal Zero solar power when the power is out. Yes, we can even watch DVDs on a 32-inch TV. I love this. I realize all of us, particularly children, will be on edge if we are without power for days or weeks. So it's nice to know we have the ability to divert the stress by watching a movie. Now, I will say that um, Goal Zero, if you want like the package all put together and you don't want to think about it, right? That, that This is definitely a way to go. But if you want to put a little bit of uh, work into it, a little bit of research, I know that I have linked recently, I have linked to a video on Prepper website that compared the Goal Zero uh, with uh, a homemade system. And uh, the, the guy actually laid it all out. And actually, this was, um, I think, Brian on the Facebook group. Um, he posted it there on the Facebook group, and I thought it was really great. So I went ahead and put it on, on Prepper website because uh, I hadn't seen that video before. But he does uh, all the experiments. He, he gives you the actual uh, supply list. And so if you want to make it, you can make it, and it's a lot cheaper than buying Gold Zero. But again, if you want the, the system, some people just want, you know, hey, I just, I'm not very handy with all that kind of stuff and putting, uh, you know, making a, a DIY solar uh, charger, battery charger. So I just want to buy it. Definitely, you can do that as well. And so, uh, you know, you can click on this link uh, over at uh, foodstoragemoms.com. All right, number 14 is a radio. Please get a good radio that will give you the weather conditions in an emergency. I have yet to find one that I can recommend. Several companies have sent them to me and I have sent all of them back. Look for one with the NOAA weather conditions. And uh, I have linked to some good ones. The Cato, um, definitely on Prepper website, have a lot of great reviews and uh, you know a lot of stars on Amazon. Number 15, this is a big one right here. And actually, if I was the like link or uh, number them, uh, this would be a lot further up. Uh, keep cell phones charged. Please keep your cell phone charged and have a solar charger so you are able to charge your phone. This may be your only way to communicate with one another. You may only be able to text or email, but that's better than no communication at all. Please teach people to be prepared. And so, okay, let's not even talk about like the big, you know, the, the big one, the poop hits the fan. Let's just talk about everyday uh, necessities. Let's just say you were out and something happened and you don't have your charger, but you have your purse or you have your backpack or you have a charger in, that you keep in your car and you're able to keep your, your, uh, your cell phone topped off uh, and be able to communicate. Now, you know, people will say, well, what did people do back in the day? You know, we didn't have cell phones and people survived and, and all that kind of stuff. And very, very true on that. Completely agree. But at the same time, we do have cell phones. We are very used to contacting people right away. And so I don't know about you, but if I'm calling my wife or I'm calling my kids and something has gone on and I haven't, I can't get a hold of them, I tend to worry. And so you don't, if you, you know, you don't want your spouse or your, or your parents or your kids to worry. I mean, just that, that's why I just say, you know, top off your, your phone and have a charger. I believe uh, a phone charger 
uh, it, they're very inexpensive now and I, and they're very valuable. So that, and you can do so much with them now. You know, there's just gosh, so many, so many things. All right. Uh, number 16, the last one is cash. Here's the deal with cash. Please keep small bills such as ones or fives. If we have a power outage, you may only be able to purchase items with cash. Hopefully you will have everything you need in your home. Please teach people that they will not want to have to stand in line for water at your local county or city building. You may not have water for days or weeks. Thank you to all who will teach people to be prepared for emergencies in your area. May God bless this world. Please stay safe. You know, I'm right there with Linda as far as the craziness in this world. And that's why we prep. That's why we we do what we do, because there are so many things out there that can just um, go wrong. And uh, that's why we, we prep when we want to take care of our families. We want to take care of the people that we love. We want to be there for them. So again, that's over at foodstoragemoms.com. All right, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with me on episode 280. You know, it just seems like this time just flies by faster and faster each and every episode. Uh, but I got to tell you, um, it's, it, this is, it's actually bad for my health doing this podcast because at night when I finish, of course, I finish and I, I, you know, I end the recording and I, then I edit it. But then it's like I'm so high, like it's like there's this natural high and I got to like just learn to settle down so that I can go to sleep. But uh, I mean, I'm just really enjoying it so much. And I really enjoy when I hear from you that I know that this podcast is making a difference. It's helping you to be prepared. Um, it, you know, it's providing some resources out there as long as well as with Prepper website and the YouTube uh you know, the YouTube channel and with also the Facebook group and the email list and just, you know, wanting to make sure that we provide those resources to people so we're better prepared. And I really do uh, feel like it is a God-given mission that uh, I'm supposed to be out here helping people get prepared. And so hopefully you feel like you are being prepared. So guys, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.